0: Good morning, everyone. It's good to be with you this morning. I'll be sharing from 1 Thessalonians again this morning. And uh, this time it'll be from the last couple verses of chapter 3 and the first few verses of chapter 4. And just to remind you of where we're at in this letter, Paul so far has and kind of recounted the events leading up to this letter. He talks about in chapter 1 how the Thessalonians received the gospel, their testimony that resulted from that. In chapter 2, he talks about how he and Silas and the others behaved themselves among the Thessalonians and how they had to leave suddenly because of persecution. And then in chapter 3, how worried they were about the church in Thessalonica suffering from the persecution, and how they wanted to go back and visit them, but Satan, Paul says, hindered him. And I don't know what that hindrance was, but Paul could not feel, did not feel like he could go back, so he sent Timothy back. And Timothy brought back this good report that made Paul very joyful. And now we're kind of switching gears a little bit. This letter kind of hinges in the middle, and the first half is just recounting recent events that led up to the letter, and the last half is teaching. And so now we're getting into the teaching, the exhortation part. And in today's passage, we'll read verses 11 through 13 of chapter 3, and then verses 1 through 8 of chapter 4, and I kind of put it into those two sections. Verses 11 through 13 here talk about Paul's prayer for their growth that God would direct them to the Thessalonians, which I think I saw in one place and maybe Paul didn't get back there until about five years later or so. I think he was eventually able to visit that church again. And then in verses 1-3 to chapter 4, his call is for them to grow in holiness. A call to please God by living in holiness, staying free from immorality. Holiness is a major theme of this passage of the word holiness occurred three times in the English and I think four times in the Greek. This morning we sang a song, the first song we sang, had the line in it, lead us to holiness, the road which we must take to dwell with God. And that holiness is something that God cares about cares about a great deal, and we do too. We want to please God. We, we must be holy. And um, I want to give you five five reasons, I see five reasons in this passage here of why we must be holy, why we should strive for holiness. So I'm going to first I'll read verses 11-13 of chapter 3 and comment on those, and then we'll read... Those two verses from chapter 4. I'm reading from the English Standard Version starting at verse 11, chapter 3. In, in the verse right beforehand, Paul has said, We pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in from your faith. And here he kind of breaks into prayer and maybe gives an example of the kind of prayer he has been offering for the Thessalonians. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus Direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that He may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all His saints. And to summarize this prayer, He's saying, May God do two things, may He direct us to you. And may He make you increase in love so that you can be blameless in holiness at His coming. And if we look at these verses a little closer individually, the verse that says, Now may our God and Father Himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, reminds us that Satan was hindering Paul from going back to Thessalonica. Paul continues to pray about it. Even though he's, he to this opposition, he continues to pray about it. And he knows that if it's God's will, God will just direct him back. there. he'll open a way for him to go back there in God's timing. God can easily do that. There, there's something about the grammar of this verse that deserves some attention here. There are two subjects. God and Father and Lord Jesus. That's two and then there's the verb direct. Now in English, a plural subject, typically we use a plural verb to go with a plural subject. Now in this particular phrase here, because of the because of the way it's formed, may direct our way. We use the same form of the verb either way, whether the subject is plural or singular, we would say direct. But in the Greek, Paul oh, should actually be using a plural verb here. For direct, but he doesn't use the singular verb, direct. And it's worth noting that he uses the singular verb for a plural subject, God and Jesus, the Father and Jesus. And it says something about the oneness of them working together as one. The the Father's Greek Testament says the singular implies that God and Jesus count as one in this connection. So I, I, I thought we could notice that. That's an important teaching about the Trinity there. Okay, it may be, make you increase in the balance in love. This is God's area of expertise changing you. It is His job. So that you may establish your heart blameless. There are two important so that in today's passage. And this is one of them. And the implication is this. He says, first, May you may he make you increase in love, so that he may establish your heart's blameless in holiness. And what I get from that is that holiness is a hard thing to come by without love. It is hard to live a holy life without love think love has to be there first. There are two sections in, in these. Um, well, in, in this passage, we're about ready to get to, to a passage in chapter 4 about purity. Jesus so says, right before we get to that, Paul says, has a prayer for them to increase in love. And then he talks about holiness. And then later on in chapter 4, where he talks about kind of everyday living, and and what I also believe is holiness in everyday living, which we're not going to cover that part today, but right before that section, he talks about love again. So this this pattern of love and holiness. I think it is impossible to live a holy life without love, certainly not without love for God, but also not without love for those to whom we are to be holy. To try to be holy without love produces an outward sham that hides a heart that is both unloving and really unholy at the same time. So let's go on to verses 1 through 8 of chapter 4. Paul is encouraging them to grow in holiness. And, And this passage, which talks more specifically about moral purity, a passage like this suggest that the report that Timothy brought back from the church that Justin like wasn't just roses. I mean, there were some things obviously in this church that they needed to change and to grow in. Uh, the Thessalonians had grown up in a culture where sexual morality was prevalent. Worse really than today's culture, I believe, although ours seems to be going that, that direction. But it was not a culture influenced by Christianity, and and so these people were coming from a from a a, a very immoral background, and apparently had not totally shaken off the old ways. And so Paul has these things to say to them in chapter four. Finally, then brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us, how you also walk in to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. So he's saying, walk, walk more and more in a way that pleases God. Keep applying our instructions, which came from Jesus. It, this is not Paul and silence off in the corner somewhere, brainstorming. What should we write to the church festival? Like, what What should we tell them to do? How should we tell them to live? Well, maybe they did do that, but, it, but the, the instruction came from Jesus. It was Spirit-directed. These words, they're the mouthpiece of Jesus. So what did he have to say next? He's saying, as the mouthpiece of Jesus. Verse 3, For this is the will of God, but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, but God, who gives His Holy Spirit to you. God's will is your sanctification or holiness. That's the same Greek word there. Which leads to three B's. Be an abstainer, in verse 3. Be an abstainer. When it comes to sexual morality, let it be missing from your life and your mind. And then verse 4, be self-controlled. This is a tricky verse actually. We'll we'll come back to this in a little bit. And then in verse 5, be different. Don't be like those who don't know God. You know God. You are in a relationship with the Holy God. So that, verse 6, I added the there. That no one wrongs his brother, transgress and wrong his brother, and so that you do not come under God's vengeance. And verse 7 God has not called you for impurity, so that God's calling is fulfilled, in other words. And then verse 8 whoever ignores this. Instruction is disregarding God, who gives His Spirit. Now we're going to look at these verses a bit more carefully in a minute. Verse four um, is a tricky verse, and we could spend probably the rest of the morning casting it out. Here, here's the problem: verse four is, um, which is translated here, "How to control his own body." is literally talking about, in Greek, how to procure or gain possession of those vessels. That could be talking about controlling your own body. could also be talking about taking a wife. Or living with a wife. How to live with a wife. And so, commentators argue about this and go two different directions with it. And there's just, you know, there's kind of Pros and cons to each argument. Paul does talk about taking a wife in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, doesn't he? And so there are some, there are problems actually with with both interpretations and strong points of both interpretations. Most of them go, most translations go this route. How to control his own body. And it makes a lot of sense in the context. So that's kind of where I'm going to leave it. Uh, that it would be how to control his own body. But just so you know, there, there's that thing in verse 4 that is kind of a, a difficult translation. Now, let's talk about this. There's a whole bunch of different directions we we go with this passage. How I'm, how I'm breaking it down is I want to give you five reasons to strive for holiness. Five reasons that I see Paul laying out here to strive for holiness. He is—he's being pretty emphatic here. He is—he's um, he, essentially giving here's one reason, and here's the next one, and here's the next. It's kind of blow by blow an argument he's building here for the Thessalonians and for us to be concerned about holiness. And so I, I want to go through these. Here's the first one. The first reason why you should strive for holiness is because it is God's will for you. For this is God's will. Your sanctification. I did a Google image search on God's will. And came back with a lot of interesting results, a lot of, you know, good results, inspiring. A lot of variations on Proverbs 3. Um, I saw the safest place in all the world is in the will of God. That is true. Nothing lies beyond the reach of prayer except that which lies outside the will of God. That's true. God has a bigger plan for me than I have for myself. That is true. God's will, and well this is, Apparently, was a quote by, by Rick Warren. God's will is found in God's Word. Stop looking for a sign and start looking for a verse. So that was a good point. And we've got a verse. But, you know, the thing that was missing was this verse. Holiness. I thought that's kind of interesting. I, I think it is, it is a bit of a commentary. Um, the emphasis of mainstream Christianity that holiness was not in the result. Not not that these people were saying these other good things didn't believe holiness was also important, but it's sure not as trendy as, uh, for I know the plans I have for you. It? I mean, that one you feel like God has these amazing plans for you, just been waiting around the corner. If you could just find His will, you would somehow encounter them. And God does have, you, you know, just indescribable joy and reward and and stuff that we can't even imagine waiting for us in heaven for sure. But the things that He really wants us to know about are fairly plain. For this is the will of God, your sanctification And we often wonder, what is God's will for us? What does God want me to do? And young people think about this more than probably those of us who have already made a lot of big decisions that kind of set in our ways. Young people, you know, they think about, what, should I go to college? Should I go into BS? Um, Who should I be dating? All these major questions they struggle with. And those are, what is God's will for me? those are actually things to be concerned about and to be searching for God's will for because what God wants is what is best. But you know, those things which I think God is concerned about, I don't think He's as concerned about those things as about this thing that He has made perfectly plain our sanctification, our holiness. Where God is leading you, where He wants to lead you, is to sanctification to be set apart, to be different from everything tainted by the world. God's will is your sanctification. He cares more that you have a holy life than that you find a perfect wife. And it rhymes. Please remember that. And the reason number one to strive for holiness is because it is God's will for you. The reason number two is the reason that if I was writing, to, if I was writing a letter to a, to a group of Christians encouraging them to live in holiness, I probably would not have written this. But Paul did, so we're going to observe it. Paul has a warning. The Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warned you. He says, uh, leading up to that, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger in all these things. You know, there's probably indirect sins that we think really don't affect anyone, but they probably do affect someone in some way or another. And then, and they can lead to a more direct kind of violation. And Paul says, the Lord is an avenger in all these things. And I'm not sure exactly how to how to take that. Uh, I'm not sure if he's saying only if you don't repent, you're going to come under God's justice. Or is he saying that even if you do repent, He may punish you for it, for our good, for the good of others. On the sin that David committed with Bathsheba, uh, Nathan told him, even after Dave, when David repented, Nathan said, The Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die nevertheless. Because by the deed you have utterly scorned the Lord, the child who is born to you shall die. So there was, there was a punishment that followed even after David's repentance. God is an avenger of this kind of transgression, and it's something for us to, be, to take seriously. And you know, we want to please God, and the opposite of pleasing God would be to sin in this way. Fortunately, God is merciful. There is forgiveness as David experienced. So that's the second reason. The third reason is because God calls you for holiness. God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness. The reason God calls you into His kingdom was not for so that... You would, not because he had the the perfect job waiting for you somewhere, and he, in Lynchburg, and he wanted you to experience the joy of a high salary or some other life decision. He called you because he wanted you to come apart and to be holy. Uh, In the summer of 2000, I was in Romania visiting Joe and Lisa, and while I was visiting, I got this invitation unexpectedly, this invitation to stay for a year. Uh, stay on and, and serve the mission as a V.S. worker. And I was, you know, now when I look back on that phase of my life, I think, wow, I could have done a lot better. And I, and I could have. And probably most of us look back at different phases of our lives to say we could have done better there. But I did try to make myself useful. And I was useful at times, I think. I drove people to church and I got involved in their firewood program. And I. uh, what other good things did I do over there? Nursing home thing, And um, not all of this was without complaining. Um, And haul people to the hospital. I remember I even painted a couple doors for Lisa, And and when they came home from their trip, it was the wrong color. But still, it was was, the fault that counted. But you know, if I had been over there serving in Romania and someone would ask me, all right, can you take this person to the hospital here a couple hours away? And I would say, well, no, I'm, I'm in the middle of this, this computer game, Age of Empires, and it's very important I to get this done here. That would really raise some eyebrows, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know, if I, if I had done that a few times, pretty soon someone would be reminding me, you know, you really were not asked to, to stay on the mission field. To play computer games, I don't think that was part of your invitation. Game. You know, that was not why you got called to the mission field. And if and if I would ignore that kind of truth, that reality, I would be a great disappointment to the mission board. I would be an embarrassment to the mission there. And uh, I would eventually get sent home. I think. So that was something that. And I had to remind myself of that. You know, I'm not here to just have a good time, you know, or or enjoy myself, or I'm here to work in this mission effort. And each of us here this morning have been called into this kingdom. And it it is an amazing opportunity, really. It is an amazing opportunity. It is an amazing calling. And Uh, and and just a huge blessing. And in this kingdom, the point of the calling was for you in this kingdom to be a different person, to live differently, to be set apart. It's an intrinsic part of the call is holiness. That's why God called us. He called us to holiness, not to continue to live in impurity. Reason number four, why we should strive for holiness is because to disregard holiness is to disregard God. Paul goes on saying, Therefore whoever disregards this, disregards not man, but God. And so to not care about holiness is to disregard God himself. And David sinned with Bathsheba. Nathan said... Uh, this, is, this is what God said to the prophet Nathan. I anointed you king over Israel. I delivered you out of the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your arms. and gave you the house of Israel and Judah. And if this were too little, I would ask you as much more. Why have you despised the word of the Lord to do what is evil in His sight? Why have you despised the word of the Lord and then a couple of verses later he says, The sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. To disregard holiness is to disregard God, and at some point that disregard does come to despise him. And I think that it particularly applies where we have where we know we where we know better, we know we shouldn't be doing the same. And we just keep going. We do not want to be just quiet in God. I was going to use an example this morning of, of how disregarding Colleen would just be really hard on our relationship. And I realized that there were a few things I wasn't regarding too well. So the illustration kind of fell down. You need to pick up the socks off the floor. But how would a relationship go where. You know, every time Colleen asked me to um, change crazy diaper, I just walked out of the room. You know, pretty soon we need marriage counseling. So if you want to have a strong relationship with God, how is that going to be possible if you disregard Him in this area? It's not possible. To disregard holiness is to disregard God. And reason number five to disregard holiness is to scorn God's gift from the Spirit. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Why do you think he added that little clause on to the end of it? Who gives his Holy Spirit? The Spirit it is a gift from God, he is a gift from God, he is holy purpose is to make it holy. He's also the seal the mark that we are sons of God, that we are adopted children. But to disregard holiness, to not care about holiness, is to disrespect that gift and the point of the gift. Remember, we'll be saying, lead us to holiness, the road which we must take to dwell with God. And the song is about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the agent that empowers you and prompts you to walk like Jesus walked. And we know that the Spirit can be grieved. That's in Ephesians 4. And I believe the giver of that gift the Spirit can be grieved too. He gives you His Holy Spirit. The Spirit is meant to be listened to. So let us be striving for holiness this morning. Uh, I'll recap. I'll reread over the five reasons, the five reasons I picked out of here for striving for holiness are because it is God's will for you, because God avenges sins of impurity against others, because God calls you for holiness. And to disregard holiness is to disregard God, and to disregard holiness is to God's gift of the Spirit. Now, no Christian this morning who reads a passage like First Thessalonians 4, 1 through 8 uh, reads it and feels no mature Christian feels smug about where he's at with holiness. So, I hope you're not feeling discouraged. That wasn't the point. Um, and so I want to give you a, a few things that I hope can be encouraging to all of us this morning as we think about holiness and striving for holiness. A few points. But one is that we need to remember that holiness is a process. This passage was written to people who needed to grow in holiness, who needed to do better. And Paul expects them to do better. He doesn't sound very hopeless as he writes these words. He expects them to do better. They could be doing better. They can do better. And so there are there are no perfect people here this morning. But I think each of us can expect to grow in this area. The second encouragement is it's just the fact that God is merciful. Um, David did not get what he deserved in the sin with Bathsheba. And none of us are getting what we deserve. And the truth is, we all fall short in this area. But it is not an excuse to stop striving. Uh, we want to please God, so we're going to keep trying. And thirdly, uh, God is going to help us. His plan is, as we read earlier, His plan is to establish your heart blameless in holiness. And I don't think that is impossible for God to do. I don't think anything is impossible for Him. And I think He can. He can make us continue to grow in this area of holiness. He can grow us. He He made that little church there in Thessalonica stand in spite of persecution through His grace, and He can help us to stand against Satan's temptation. So God is merciful. He will help us, and it is a process. God cares a great deal about our holiness and it is his will for us to be holy people. And we want to please God. So my challenge for us is that we care about this a lot. And we care about it because we want to please God. Alright, I think, I think what i want to do is i want to wrap this up myself. I'll close the service up here myself. What I'm going to do is um, I will just stand for prayer and have a song afterward. But first, I'm going to make a couple, try to make a couple announcements about the meal afterward. Uh, there's a meal afterward, and everyone is invited. Even uh, if you didn't even bring food, Eric told me you can save it for the meal. And he could use some help afterwards in setting up chairs. So think of that. If you didn't bring food, maybe to chairs. So um, why don't we stand for prayer. And we can go ahead and stand. And then after I've prayed, you can just remain standing. And um, maybe someone can read us in the closing psalm as we are standing. And then after that psalm is finished, you will be dismissed. Let's pray. Lord. Thank you for these verses about love and holiness. And we thank you that you're a merciful God and that uh, you forgive us even when we fall short in these areas that you care about so much. And I pray that you would help us to grow in these areas. Help us to be sensitive to the the gift of your spirit and its promptings. Pray that you help each of us fulfill the calling that you have called us to and to um, live in a way that honors you and honors your call in our life. Help us to grow in holiness. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.